ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Thank you for joining us here at Red Ice TV. I appreciate you uh, being here. My name is Henrik. If you're new, and of course, today we're doing a interview. We have Jim Bob with us today, one of uh, a satirical uh, cartoonist. Uh, and I've, I've followed his work maybe for a year and a half, something like that, two years. I can't remember when the first time stumbled across some of his uh, cartoons, memes, I guess is a better term, really. Uh, Jim Bob, how are you doing? Good to have you here. Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You bet, you bet. So tell us a little bit in the beginning here. When did you get started? I, as I said, I think like a couple of years ago, maybe I came across some of your first thing and it was probably under the whole COVID stuff when that started breaking out and you were one of the one of the critical voices and, and kind of you encapsulated some of that very well in, in some of your art. We'll show some of them throughout the, the show here too. Sure. Yeah. No, uh, I start. I was always uh, into drawing and art. So uh, when I was in Los Angeles, I had a, um, an early life in Los Angeles, not young. I moved from the Catskill Mountains of New York, went out to Los Angeles to see what happened there. And um, <clears throat> I started actually doodling and I didn't really know what to say. It started with nonsensical, uh, superficial stuff like Game of Thrones memes and silly things like this. And then I started uh, criticizing Barack Obama at the time. And uh, I remember the meme. It was um, his iconic um, image of him dropping the mic, right? He was a mic dropper. I just swapped the mic with a bomb. And um, I saw that a single image with no words could uh, upset and provoke so many people and so many reactions. And I realized, wow, this there's something to this. Uh, the simplicity, the, um, you know, reducing... Uh, otherwise complex situations uh, or topics into single frame or uh, three frame uh, comics. I, I realized early on that this was very effective and I could utilize it to um, expose uh, lies and truth. And uh, I just went from there and I started just like fine tuning my, uh, my targets. That's kind of what happened over time. Nice. Yeah, I've heard people say, uh, you know, a, um, a picture says a thousand words and a meme uh, says a thousand pictures sometimes. You can just <laughs> bake all of that in there. I think memes have probably radicalized more people. Well, radicalized. I guess got, good, got them out of the bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Got them out of the bullshit. Right. Well, yeah. being radical today is not a bad thing considering <laughs> how uh, radical our enemies is. So we got to, you know, push mm -hmm. back against that because it's, mm -hmm. as you know, it's completely insane right now. The mutants are, they're running the show, it feels like, and they're just doing everything from cutting off the genitals on children and uh, convincing us, you know, that uh, we should hate ourselves or who we are. I mean, it's just a slew of things that we, said we can go into here today and talk about that you kind of, again, capture uh, in your in your art, in your sketches, in your cartoons. Um, tell us about the COVID stuff a little bit, if you don't mind, because I think you had some really good ones on that. Just yeah. the, the weird herd mentality around this, the, the coercion, the subversive mm -hmm. issues around the vaccine and stuff like that. Were you on this, like, day one when this shit started unfolding? Or what, um, what happened to you there? Oh, it's some weeks after I knew something was up and wrong because uh, the, the, the first time I realized something was off uh, was when they were showing us um, the world, let's say, not just the US, these images of people falling over on security cameras in, in China. Um, and, and everyone is led by this kind of like tra traumatic image, right? It's almost equivalent to throwing a fake spider on someone's shoulder. And what, what we'll all do is assume it's real and try to wipe off the spider frantically and we'll look a little silly. Um, and so that kind of happened, I believe with everyone to some magnitude, others, they're still in it three years later, they're still, uh, trying to swipe the, the fake spider that's on their shoulder. Um, I, so, so I think that happened. That was the first time I was like, this isn't, this is something's not consistent here. And so I started smelling the fishiness of it. 
Um, and another thing uh, that I saw as a, a phenomenon was that people looked at their screens, right, uh, and put that reality priority over their direct um, senses and their direct experience of their lives. In other words, everything coming through the phone about COVID since the beginning was never consistent with your direct reality ever. Uh, you walk outside, other than people dressing up in their costumes or uh, early Halloween masks and shields, there wasn't anything in my direct experience and everyone I knew that was consistent with the narrative. And I saw that very early, but I couldn't figure out what the game was. Uh, obviously, later on, you realize it's a, a it's a plethora of games with a plethora of players. Um, and and I believe at the at the most outer point of the paradigm, it's a spiritual warfare. It's actually I believe it's actually demonic. Um, but um, you don't need to take on that worldview to actually see that it's uh, deceptive and based on a lot of lies, manipulation, coercion. coercion. Yeah. yeah, I think it was when the I, I, I admit I was. I was had by the first stuff that was coming out of China. And it's like, you know, you have this like, ooh, they don't want us to see this, you know, the great firewall of China. And yet it's coming out. And then hindsight was like, oh, it was a big gay op. It was a big psyop, essentially. You know what I mean? Uh, but it, going back to 2020, I think you have uh, spring or something like that. And I, I remember receiving a few emails like, Henrik, you got to look at this. Like, you know. Because this flip happened, right? Remember in the mm -hmm. beginning, they were like denying it. No, there's not, no problem with this. They're trying to cover it up. And that almost made me go into this mode like, mm -hmm. okay, well, it's got to be real then. And so I, ironically, I'm you know, ashamed hindsight, but you know, whatever the side is. I was one of the first people in the area that I lived at at the time that had like a mask on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like, this might be, this might actually be, you know, real. We, we might die from this. The media's denying it. The politicians denying it. Everybody's denying it. Maybe they want us to die. So they just start to cover it up kind of thing, right? And then that transition happened. And eventually it was like, I started taking off my stuff as more and more people putting it on. And so I got stared at for having it first. And then I got stared at for not having it. So I think by, <laughs> you know, by spring 2020, something like that, yeah. you know, going into summer, it was like, all right, this is just like, I, I knew no one that was getting sick at the time. Did, did you? Mm -hmm. No, no. People got what I would just call uh, normally as like a flu or, you know, the seasonal things, whether it's... Uh, if you take on like a terrain theory model of it, it doesn't really matter. It's the fact that you're looking at effects and then you're attributing an effect to a narrative. And I think that's part of the psychological warfare. It's almost like a comedian. You know, when a comedian uh, is about to tell a joke, they tell a premise and the premise is what sells the whole audience on whatever the, the punchline or the act out is, it's, it's called in comedy. And so I think we were all sold on a premise. And then anything that followed, you just you saw the news and and the um, the medical um, agencies and and so forth. They would just take an effect and then just place it in the COVID narrative. Well, oh, sneezing! Oh, like they took all the whole list, right? Yeah. Basically, being alive was a symptom of COVID at some point. Uh, it got to a point where it was it was satire itself. All I had to do is write it down, right? Uh, to be a good satirical artist. Now you just have to be an honest reporter. I think that'll yeah. do the trick. Um, yeah. And so that was, yeah, that, that, I think that was a part of it. Like what you said is um, holding off on going full force narrative has people then go, oh, this is weird. They're kind of being weird about this. Maybe yeah. there's something legit I should look out. And then they do the flip. And then it, what it does is it nets both sides because it, it, exactly. it nets the, yeah. right. Okay. So I think that's a real thing that um, at least people in media who've been in, in the news for many, many years um, who've studied any form of, um, you know, Edward Bernays or any of those guys yeah. understand how you kind of 
do flip uh, script uh, flips. And now we're seeing another script flip, by the way. Uh, we're at the tail end of everything. Yeah. And now there's this like amnesty thing and everybody apologized for being completely psychotic. Um, they were wrong about everything. You know, even Ben Shapiro, you know, I, I were wrong. My wife's a doctor, but <laughs> apparently we were wrong about everything. I'm, I'm all jabbed up. I have about five or six of them. And, and you're, and you think back at how, you know, we have to like use compassion and forgiveness, but a part of me is so wrathful because they never yeah, they don't really apologize no. or acknowledge how crazy they actually no. were. No. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm glad I have the peace of mind to not follow the wrath, but, um, you know, a part of it pops up sometimes when they, when you talk to people who just, you know, stop talking to you. Right. Yeah. Um, or, or whatever they did, right. They just gaslight you. And then suddenly you wait and it's not like everything they're saying, we weren't saying even a year after, like, this is still old news, right? Yeah. yeah. Like all to all the people who have the, the crazy, um, you know, tinfoil hat stuff, uh, hats on, which I proudly wear and I tighten it when, uh, when I get confronted is that these things have been exposed already for, for two years now. So it's now the, now the, there's like an authorized truther community, like all the pundits now going, Oh, this is horrific. They lied. The, you know, the, yeah. this there's, there's corruption. <laughs> and yet now they, you're figuring this out about <laughs> all these other people, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it, 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 it is absolutely that, that flip has been crazy to see in a way. And I just, I have no forgiveness. I mean, especially considering how subversive the, the vaccine rollout was and how they pushed it on our kids and they fired people and like all the things I want to see at the, at the minimum, I want to see people in jail. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, 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 that's it. We got, look, we can have a fair, I'm not saying we should have an unfair, have a 100% fair trial, bring out all the truth, expose it all. And and let's see what they actually knew ahead of time. Some of them, I think, were generally in the dark that that were there pushing it, right? But I mean, the the CDCs, the FDA's, the Pfizer, the Modernas. I mean, these people from the CEOs down, many of them knew this. They knew that the the study, so-called studies, if there even was any, was right. shoddy at best, or they didn't do it, or 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 they covered up. Right? That other news piece came out the other day of how Pfizer had pressured. Uh, the CDC to to approve all these booster shots when there was like no data about it, they deserve jail. I mean, base minimum, if you ask me. Yeah, well, I think uh, not to black pill, but I believe the authority that we'd expect to uh, deploy the justice is also fairly corrupt at this point. I agree. Um, yeah. Where yeah. you're kind of like, well, who do you appeal to when the people you appeal to are the ones that should also potentially be in jail? And that's just, uh, you know, that seems to be the na natural cycle of power. Um, when you abandon, in my view, when you abandon, um, you know, um, your theology, basically. So uh, we're in a, a very utilitarian, uh, um, rampantly dominant utilitarian world, um, you know, world right now where um, it seems to be like this battle between technocrats um, and uh, maybe maybe like pseudo libertarians or something like that. It's very interesting to watch because. Um, because uh, it's it's people scrambling. Like I look at it from a philosophical view, I see people scrambling for a coherent worldview to argue for anything, right? To to be the case. Why you? Why should we change this or that, right? Why should we? Um, you know, why should we battle these psychopaths? Like we're really dealing with a psychopathic, um, basically like a bunch of George Bernard Shaw's, like, like in power. Um, and uh, yeah, I think depopulation is one of the main things 
that um, is one of their longer term goals, right? And they're not, it's not like a lot, it's not like some cracked up, cracked up idea I came out both in my basement. They're pretty fairly open about what to do with a population, how to minimize the population, how to create sustainable development, yeah. how to, you know, um, a great book, by the way, even a good person you could have on if, if they're down is uh, a guy named Patrick Wood, who lays out the technocracy uh, in a couple of books. And it's not theoretical. It's lists of companies, corporations that have clear goals to standardize all things. And I think the COVID thing was a combination. It was like a doorway, like a Trojan horse to um, not just like a new form of currency, not just a, a pathway to this new era of genomics where um, they want to go inner space inside our bodies as far as uh, commodities and, and data. Um, and then new technologies, of course, transhumanism and uh, impacting your your body using uh, what I have to call on YouTube, crispy, chi crispy chicken technology, CRISPR technology. Um, and they're really chomping at the bit uh, to to crack this open. And I think COVID is not just this sort of like desperate attempt to control and do like tracking and create like smart cities and all that. Because they're not really effective at making them, by the way. I think no, it's really not. more of like a, a premise that you get a bunch of people to accept where if you can demonstrate that a large uh, majority of the people are willing to just inject themselves with like thing like things based on faith alone, um, then you kind of got them in the line of the Disney world of uh, genomics, uh, so to speak. So they're already kind of prepped mentally for whatever the next thing might be, right? Where where you say, oh, big problem. Let's let's do this Hegelian thing again where there's a problem. And guess what? The same people creating the problem have a, a shot for you to inject, right? They always and, have and a then, solution, yes. Yeah, and I think their goal is to turn um, what we call the, um, the immune system into an operating system so that you need updates. And, yeah. and the language is all there. It's all language-based that, you know, how they used... Uh, war language language to get people on board with fighting you know the front lines war front lines nurses uh this is a fascinating uh mental manipulation here too uh similar with actual wars where you um you turn the soldiers into heroes you sell them something they're fighting for and then anyone who goes against the heroes is then let's say back in the day was uh, unpatriotic and you know, and they would even further back in the day, they would have women give feathers to men who didn't go to go off and fight someone else's war. Um, and now you you saw this, the similar shame tactics uh, here in the last three years, you know, with wearing the mask or getting the jab and you're going to kill grandma and you don't care about people. Um, the here they're heroes. They're heroes. The front linesmen are, you know, the these nurses are heroes. And then the, these poor nurses and doctors who actually did see something that was off about this stuff. Um, they saw something very bizarre and nefarious. And when they spoke out, basically that psychological warfare is, is really clear. If you establish everyone's a hero for participating in this nonsense, then the moment someone steps out of line, who's supposed to be a hero is now trying to diminish the hero status of the group. Get out, yeah. get out of here. Yep. And that's kind of the manipulation is always language based that I noticed. Um, a lot of the manipulation is language based and then people's reality is informed by their language and they start to see the world the way the language describes the world that they've been given they just don't understand yet that it's been radically um 
uh, hammered into their mind every single day for like three, more than three years. Let's, let's face it. It's not like they didn't practice this stuff every two years. Right. Uh, Remember we all experienced this. It just, it wasn't this drastic. It would be like, Oh, the Zika virus. Oh, the bird flu. And and they set up tents and they did all this stuff and they said, wear some masks or whatever, but we just didn't notice it as much as a practice run we kind of were just like okay it was this is nonsense or whatever i'm not that scared and then uh suddenly i think what happened is they they had the an apparatus of world level um media yeah i think it's never been to the point where where it is now where you can you can send a packet of a narrative through the world media like like uh before it's like nation right or or local or something you could do some manipulation but but i don't i don't think we've ever hit a point in human history where we have where we have the technology to to send a signal that's all cohesive right everyone's on board with the same language uh through the entire world system of communication so that it hits every spot every nook and cranny everybody's operating consistently with uh, the focus of one thing this is uh this is um really powerful and and in a scary way it's powerful in a scary way oh definitely and i was thinking about the flip we talked about earlier there like how how they treated in the beginning because my thought was always they're not really concerned with the people that always comply right they 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 already know they have those in the bag they can i mean Given what we've seen, they can essentially tell them anything and they will comply. They will do it. You know what I mean? If you have enough coercion and enough fear, they will comply and listen to it. So the worry from the elite's point of view is obviously like, how do we corral the people that are the skeptics? And what I felt about the COVID psyop thing that was different was that they decided to utilize the very kind of, frankly, powerful uh, g- grassroots messaging system, if you will, that exists within you know the online environment of truther communities, alternative people, health community, you know these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And they said, let's downplay it first because then w- they will y- do the messaging for us and and automatically think that I'm not saying that this is actually how they do it, but this is the thoughts that was going through my process at the time, like or afterwards rather, like maybe they're deciding to use uh, th- that group and say. We can have them spread it first and like be concerned with it. Uh, however, I'm not sure how they're going to de- treat it when once the media flips. Then you have a number of people that immediately are going to be like, "Okay, I don't, buy, I'm not buying this anymore." So, but it's um, yeah, it's I very think a lot yeah. of it is spaghetti on the wall uh, to some extent. That yeah. and, and I and I say that because it, I've I've been in like truther communities and a lot of times you can do go into a truther spiral where you start over examining things and then you <laughs> you start lending. Uh, too much power to human beings who are otherwise pretty flawed. Like these people that you're up against, they they also compete with each other in a lot of ways. So it's yeah. not like oh, yeah. this. Uh, it's not it's a not homogenous like this, one group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they're not just this yeah. united front. They have to, and a lot of it is causing uh, like making a muck, like uh, making yeah. confusion happen. Yeah. Because yeah. if you just make confusion happen when people start figuring things out, it's sometimes just causing the the confusion is the tool like is exactly. the psyop yep. uh, just yep. the confusion because it gives them time right there's yep. more time to do something else right cause it, it, some it wears confusion. people down event they get right. tired well, well how is it oh i thought we were doing this now and then you know, mm-hmm. oh my god uh, we have to do something else now and and eventually people just give up okay just tell me what to do i, I can't keep up with right. this anymore and that's right. very it, powerful you know yeah, and I think um, I had one meme. It, it was someone asking, like, "What's the future of currency?" Because we're always talking about UBI, and 
and the digital world and Bitcoin. And I think it's actually uh, 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 is compliance that the actual behavior is going to be the currency of the future. At Social least in credit score, right? smart, smart city worlds where it doesn't make sense to have a, a physical thing called money. And even if you call it digital, you're trading with you're trading money that's owned by the the corporation, actually, in, in some cases in the future, where, where a city um, that's owned and operated uh, as a platform. I, I really want people to start thinking about this is that we look at a platform like our, our phone, right? And then all the apps, we, go, we call them a platform. Oh, this platform has this community guideline. And we're kind of always arguing about the, the contents of the guideline. Well, the, these technocrats know and are positioning themselves to turn actual cities, ge geographic locations, the internet of things and bodies. If that's all connective, right, then, then you actually can establish a, a city as a platform, as a piece of technology. Now, if that's the case, the company... Um, it's, it, they can actually exchange, let's say your, your human rights, your civil rights, your civil liberties with, with, um, community guidelines where you actually sign a waiver to be on the platform the same way we agree to our waivers to be on these other platforms and, and follow TOS. Right. Yeah. So I think when, when we look at all these trends, these, these sort of like meritocracy driven, um, free market people like Ben Shapiro and such. They're confused. They look at the the Mercedes. They then they say something like, "Well, if they want to, you know, run a trans campaign for the Mercedes Benz, that's on them. They're going to lose customers." You have to understand that these larger conglomerates and companies are no longer operating from the position of just money because they probably see that debt is the new uh, currency. And then if debt is the currency, that's a form of slavery and therefore com uh, compliance, the way you behave is now your currency. If you want to participate in said system, yeah. you'll behave this way. Now, I'm not against whole people hear the word compliance and they think icky. No, I actually um, will acknowledge compliance. You know, I'm a father. So um, I do believe in some level of compliance, let's say uh, social decency norms and such, right? I just think the people who have taken over the concept of, of compliance socially uh, and also economically are actually psychopaths um, with no real moral uh, foundation. And so um, I think that's kind of what we're up against in the next 10 years if you're in cities, if you're in close proximity to overpopulated uh, cities that will increasingly become pieces of technology. And I think yeah. looking at it that way will give you a peace of mind and you'll, you'll be able to actually see the trends toward physicality physical places becoming techn technological systems themselves. Now, as yeah. opposed to, I have a tech piece of technology. I call it my phone. I walk around. Oh, that's not technology. This is technology. No, the, the future is the, the whole system is uh, a piece of technology. And then you question, well, who owns it? Well, it's, it's like all of these people like Black House and Bill Gates, and they're all competing. They're all positioning themselves right now to figure out how to have enough land how to have access. Uh, basically, it's standardized control of all systems. Think of it that way. Yeah. Standardized control of all systems. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the depopulation bit in a, in a little while, but I want to pick up that thing you mentioned about the cities, right? Because I think, I think you're going to see big 
companies uh, basically starting to offer di virtual or digital citizenships eventually. Facebook is going in that direction right now. They have their own Supreme Court, you see that? <laughs> like things like this. They're like creating the civic structures such as, you know, nations have had before. And I could very well see that again, and that I agree would be compliance. It would be a terms of service thing. Like mm -hmm. if you violate that, that you're out. You you lose your citizenship in Facebook or Google or you know Twitter. We'll talk about Elon Musk later too, what he's doing with that, because I think that actually ties into all of this. Um, but so, so so you have the compliance issue, which is basically you know the social credit score, and and if they get there with the tech, you basically are looking at a system which is going to be every little piece, I guess, of, of materials that is of importance materially will be interconnected with the mm. Internet of Things type technology. You're talking about haptic devices everywhere, scanners, sensors and things like that. So for, for I mean, it won't be alive the way we think of it, obviously, but but that's what they're trying to create. They're trying to create a a living artificial synthetic entity, essentially, that we live inside. And I could very well see that that will be some of these mega hub environments. Now, you know, to throw a, a, a wrench in that spanner there, it, it would be we might be going in the opposite direction. And the COVID shot, of course, could be part of that. I think we're, we're heading for a massive depopulation. We already have, you know, ma massive demographic decline, even in countries that we, you know, think of normally as like, oh, my God, Ch the Chai columns are going to take over. China's going to take over like they have with their one child policy and stuff. They're going to lose over like half of their population in the next 20 years. That's a massive decline. That means that. The factory of the world, China, where, you know, all Western powers outstores everything, all the production went over there. That's going to basically fall off the map. And recently I've been on that, you know, that kind of rabbit hole of demographics and like, wait a minute, what, what really is going to happen here? We're not fully set up in the West yet to to pick up the slack of, of like producing the stuff we need. And I'm not talking about like cheap Chinese toys and, th right. and stuff. I'm talking like actual things we need to survive. Right. So there's a, a massive pressure on the supply chain. Th this was actually coming anyway before COVID, but COVID was the perfect excuse at the perfect time to drive that nail into that coffin. And I think that they're they're de they're, they're uh, collapsing the whole system intentionally. Uh, I think they want to build back better, but I'm not sure they're going to be able to pull it off. To be honest, because it's so unstable right now. What what do you think? Yeah, I think it's unstable. I think um, maybe they're just like buying time because they know like uh, what people have to understand is the these controllers, let's say, for lack of a better term, who want to manipulate and, and start engineering socially, economically, they know that they can't completely just destroy every system because then it's just a vacuum, right? It, it's not it's not like uh, the old time way of doing things where Dick Cheney could launch a war and then also invest in the infrastructure to build it really quickly up or whatever. They need they need the worker and kind of in their view the the slave class to to maintain operations or otherwise there's nothing for them to sift off of and own. So um going full full scale uh black pill that it's utter destruction is the is the goal. I don't actually believe that. I don't think that's in their favor to do utter, utter destruction. Uh, I do think they, they mess with things that they don't understand the potential consequences of like, uh, yeah. for instance, for example, depopulation, even from a social persuasive method or even an authoritarian method, let's take like Singapore or something. Well, they only did that a little bit, right? They did, they had this little stint. I don't know if there's a fifties or something um, where they launched a, a policy and they used propaganda and people actually complied. 
Um, and that was only like one generation worth. And right now, today, in 2022, they're desperate to repopulate. Like yeah. they're coming back and taking trips to San Francisco and all of their uh, their appointed uh, representatives are trying to uh, I've, I've even been to one like a like a it was like a food event about Singapore and they spoke about how they needed people to go back, back. there and yeah. repopulate. And yeah. that was only one like uh, season, let's say, of of doing a fairly voluntary um, depop program. And I think people uh, kind of misunderestimate, you know, they they underestimate um, the consequences, how these things can get out of control really quickly. Oh, how yeah. Yeah. they have no connection between human uh, capital and the production that they're just used to having uh, things that are just made for them. Right. We're really spoiled in, in the West because we just think, well, someone's going to make it. <laughs> but that's if it doesn't get here. No, that's not actually true, yeah. right? Because no. what we call making it is it's getting shipped on a container and and hopefully deployed on time, um, which is a is different than making it. Like you know who who raised the beef right nearby, yeah. or you know how something was formed. You know Carl makes leather things, right? This, which is kind of like in a way a blessing if people start kind of going back to, well, let's cover my basis what do I need around? What do I need? And do I know somewhat? Right. Exactly. That's a good question to ask. Yep. And I get it. I get that it's hard and I'm not, um, completely, um, you know, I, I'm not, uh, free of it myself, but, uh, it's good. It's a good question to start asking yourself, uh, what can you do and who do you know and what can they do? Uh, and, yes. and not in this like psychotic prepper, uh, way you're right you want your mental well-being to be intact as well by the way and uh you know it can go the other way too yeah. i'm so prepared that um i mentally can't even talk to someone at the grocery store about normal things <laughs> right i don't yeah. think that's a great way to go and i've seen that happen as well yeah it's always overkill you need a balance there's normal people that understand that it's like bad but you don't have to kill yourself over it you know mm. what I mean? <laughs> yeah but uh no it, it's it's actually very interesting i think i think long term this is a very good thing i mean the whole neoliberal system have obviously just been like it's been like a massive farm frankly it's been like just more people more debt more spending more consumption more production and obviously this cannot go on forever right so this was coming sooner or later anyway it's just a matter of time and we can't it's the whole it's that idea of of like how the economic system is run that needs to be uh you know reshaped and instead of maybe progressively over the last few decades dealing with this uh, now we're hitting, you know, now we're going to hit the wall with this thing. And and they tried with immigration, right? That That's where the replacement agenda kind of comes in as well. No, we can just, uh, let's just swap out the population. Let's just import millions and millions of people and one, assume that it maintains the same, which it doesn't. There's a whole nother slew of issues that comes with that. Mm -hmm. But then mm -hmm. the second point to that is that even those uh, uh, people that come, you know, foreigners and, and, and from other parts of the world, whether it's into America or to Europe or something like that, they also have fewer and fewer children because like modernity just kind of creates that environment. People get mm -hmm. comfortable. It's lazy to a certain extent. I think, look, no, none of us knows how far this will go. But to a certain extent, if if I'm right on this, it, it, it's probably going to be a combination. It's gonna not going to be like black and white, one thing or the other, obviously. But I think you're going to see more people wanting to seek to go back to a more uh you know basic lifestyle maybe more out on the countryside having more kids maybe farming at least partially uh, partially some of their uh, produce themselves and stuff like that 
dealing with with other people obviously trading and things like that i'm not saying there's not going to be stores but mm -hmm. i think we're going to be limited tremendously in that like like capitalist output consumption type society and to me that's like thank you that's great <laughs> that's great you know we need yeah that, you know? also coincidentally that kind of lifestyle necessitates having more kids because that's yeah. the original homestead concept is that you actually have the children that become your work uh, yeah, force, so it's free right, labor. I mean, let's face it, it's free labor. Yeah. That's just what yeah. it is, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and so that seems uh, doable. And again, this this tension between the smart city uh, modern lifestyle, which is which is easier for people but more complex, versus going back to the land, which is more difficult but more simple. And so. People are always uh, kind of uh, back and forth between living a simple life that actually requires more of your effort, yeah. but it's so so simple can be very difficult, and um, easy can be very uh, you know complex and um, you know it doesn't necessitate family right. You don't suddenly like you said you just don't you don't think to need it or desire it because you get all your your needs, and this is this kind of like view of uh, reducing the human to. Uh, an, ec an economic singular thing, an atom that operates yeah. in conjunction with a supply chain that's mostly dominant, right? At, at this point, yeah. Um, and they give you some debt, right? And oh, debt's great. Oh, you'll be able to do this other thing, and then you're enslaved, right? And we can get into like how the uh, feminist movement played perfectly into that, turning uh, families and the mom and the dad into uh, homo economicus uh, <laughs> figures, right? right? Yep, exactly. Like, so, yep. And then, um, uh, that's, uh, I think people are starting to see that even the people that bought into it, right? Like feminism, more people are showing up and going, this isn't producing what the life I want, right? Yeah, I don't exactly. want to be a cat lady with stained wine teeth and hopefully going to a birthday party to interact with some young ma males, right? Yeah, yep. They, they are waking up and, uh, suddenly it's not so cool to look like, uh, Chelsea Handler. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they, all these, you know, you've probably seen the graphs, right? But like, uh, especially among white women uh, over 40 or something, like the SSRI uptake, the uh, the happy, what do you call it? Antidepressants, that's what they call it, right? Skyrocketing, you know what I mean? I was like, hmm, wonder what the, wonder what the reason of that could be. Like, oh, we're just... <laughs> yeah, it's climate change. There you go, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a heart attack-induced climate change. Right. Um Oh man, it, it's it's a crazy time, I tell you. But I'm still I'm still very positive long term. I think short term this is going to be <laughs> very bumpy. And I mean, I, I don't want that. I'm a, I'm a father too, and I, I I want things to be safe in a way, secure. But then at the same time, there's there's overkill with that. When basically, you, when you're not given any challenges, there's no purpose. You know, right. every corner is padded. Everything is taken care. Of. We need we need challenges. We need. Um, uh, to be uh, to be pushed out of our comfort zone, and I think we're we're much better that way, as opposed to being complacent and everything works. And you know, two two day Amazon shipping, and you know everything comes. You know, to, you don't have to leave your. It's creating a bunch of weird mutants, and and that kind of goes to to. Uh, I think the heart of, of many of the the memes, the cartoons that you make, of just showing these like these weird mutant people now. I mean, I, I just call them mutants. It, it's a genetic uh, deviant. Um, mutation that has occurred and, and partially because of our success of, of, of the survival rates everyone survived as opposed to you know nature taking care of business <laughs> if you go back yeah i think um, they <laughs> there's also yeah that um you know we need the opportunity and the and the circumstances to generate strong men and if you remove yeah. that opportunity 
you just get mediocre. Even the stronger men will be pulled down to mediocrity because it's a it's a a system that delivers Amazon style everything you need and want, you know, at the push of a button, which you you think you know the the irony is that when you work really hard as a civilization and you develop all of these technologies and systems, you're kind of rewarded for all the work you did. But the the very next generation that's born into it, it's just like this concept of like um the third generation of of a of like a, an amazing legacy uh, fails it because they don't understand what it took to um, build it. First of all, they certainly don't understand what it takes to maintain it. And so, um, yeah, a, a shortage of any sort, uh, whether it's food or supply, even though I don't like my own preference isn't to wish that upon myself, but like what you're saying, I understand that there's a, you know, in a way there's a way there's some good that's going to come out of that as far as a generation that grows up with some grit and uh, understands uh, that um, you can't just live in a modern world that's uh, everything's standardized and given to you because as soon as that system breaks, you realize it was uh, fiat to begin with. It was, it was fake. It was uh, you know, a, a fake alternative that you thought would just maintain itself. And you just have to consider that th systems don't just maintain themselves just because they're there and they're cool and they work like, you know, this, this concept of like, well, we have a drone that can do this, this, and this. So why would there be a supply chain? Like I just, didn't you see the virtual reality thing I just interacted with? How could we be that advanced, but also a supply chain break? And I think that's naive. And I think yeah. people without even thinking of it, assume this, that, that whatever particular uh, category of development and advancement is equal to other things not breaking that are way more fundamental than the toys, right? We're right. distracted with the toys. Yeah. Um, and th I think the ruling class actually would love that because they just slap a helmet on you uh, and you can be your own God, right? Uh, yeah. With a feeding tube and you're in a, you're in a float tank that you can defecate and it turns into coffee yeah. and um, you're walking around as a beautiful model or something like that. And then you yeah. zoom out and you're just in an Amazon pod, right? You Basically. Know, in yep. a shitty room, yep. or, right? And yep. uh, that's kind of, people are actually drawn toward that. Like the whole sort of like video game online yeah. culture is, pr it's pretty much uh, starting to, let's call it, uh, present the premise for such a such a view. Even like the Ready Player One movie, yes. which makes a very glor glorified, uh, romantic view of this particular world but no it's going to be really dark those worlds are going to be super dark but they're going to pull people in because they will get their ubi or something in return you know yeah. when you're go out and kill uh, a bunch of um, maggie simpsons or something some weird uh game that they're going to construct in exchange for money really sick games will be invented by the way in that world um and especially if they turn crypto, I don't know if you guys understand just like some really basic ways that works, but I imagine uh, some of these people who who are who are at the source of this technology want are want a world where people uh, are required to be connected to an immersive world in order to keep the ledger alive. Does that make sense? Instead of the instead of a machine in your closet being the mining rig that you have to put a fan on because it's it's a computer that does things. Well, the body to, to some of these like um, biotech firms who are who are linked into the economic world, they see the body as the mining rig. So, of course, they're going to try to skip to making our our own body's performance 
the the mining system, the problem solving um, mechanism that can replace the mining rig itself. Because why would you need a computer, right? If the body is, in their view, I don't believe this, but in their view, it's a computer that's solving a bunch of problems. Now, what they need is they need inner space. They need access to your inner space to to deploy such a system. Yeah, I mean, here's one, right? Microsoft did file a patent for that, a crypto mining system that actually using your body activity uh, as data on the, the, the generation of the whole thing. And just getting access to people's bodies, or at least to the degree where they are able to manipulate it in order to turn it into something that they need more. That I feel that that Rubicon was crossed with the introduction of the mRNA vaccine. Totally. That, that's really what that was. That to, look, it obviously had consequences and, and we haven't even seen, we, it's too early to tell what the conse full consequences are going to be. We're seeing a spiking now of excess deaths in many countries that are at least honestly reporting on the statistics. So we know what's going on with that. Uh, but then uh, at the same time, if there are you know survivors out of that, basically, I don't mean to laugh, it's, it's mm -hmm. gruesome but mm -hmm. um, it's just so absurd, right? It, it, I think in one way, that's and you alluded to this earlier too, they're going to start using this technology as the way to fix anything. It's just, oh, that, it's a raw, it's a code issue that's wrong with Edit. your genes. Yep. And we'll just, mm -hmm. we'll snip that out or we'll update that or we'll change that. We'll inject you with this magical, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> juice basically, this shot and, and voila, we'll fix your genetic issue. And I mean, Pfizer have, have pivoted towards that. Moderna, the whole uh, company was basically built on that pre premise. They managed to raise billions and billions and billions before they even had a product out to market and miraculously you know the covid thing showed up and mm -hmm. they had been working on patents together with the nih back to 2016 at least some of the work even goes back to 2010 apparently on the, some of the mrna technology and now they could wheel this out in six months and say oh it was a miracle look at what we did when in reality they spent years and years working on this stuff so totally. i mean we're there now and i think if we're seeing if we're going to see more issues as a consequence of the rollout of the first mRNA, they're going to offer us more mRNA to fix those problems. To fix the pro yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and that whole rollout was just basically like getting a bunch of people to pay the ticket to get into the that uh, that that uh, club, right? You yeah. know, so it's more like a a practice run of like, can you get how many people can you get to do it, and then uh, how many people reject it based on the consequences and all these numbers and, and they look at this stuff based on data and uh and so yeah it makes sense and they're gonna the the problem is that when they first start doing gene editing stuff like CRISPR they're gonna do it with something fairly superficial and maybe even be successful at it and everybody will take that particular instance and then they'll apply the efficacy of one thing to the wholeness of the paradigm right and that's gonna be pretty scary to watch uh as well you know someone will be like well, they edited my eye, right? Instead of like lasers, let's just take some silly example or you don't get the sniffles anymore. Well, in the short term, they'll sell people on preferences, right? Uh, annoyances, inconveniences. Yeah. And when that's sold at a superficial level, again, uh, people will go, well, it worked here. Why would you question it with something more, uh, you know, like the lungs or, or something that affects your heart or something else? And it's going to be sad to see because, we 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 saw the sample right set of who is willing to just inject themselves blindly uh, with products that are made by demonstrably criminal uh, organizations. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, and they're just willful. You know, add a little virtue, add a little hero, right? 
You know, the, the funny thing about the mask is that you could be the hero and the victim in the same day, depending on the situation. Right. Yeah. You could be like, exactly. I'm the hero right now, yeah. but then I'm the victim and you're going to hurt me. Right. So um, people do that, that sort of virtue uh, economics uh, with the with the jabs for sure. So tell us, we're almost at a halfway point here. Tell us about uh, Savage Memes. Uh, so volume four is out. That obviously mm -hmm. means you have three preceding it. Mm -hmm. um, tell us how, how people can buy it and stuff. Uh, how, how long does it take for you to work on these, uh, the, the, the cartoons that you make, the memes? Um, it's kind of a seasonal thing. I, I put one book out a year, but I am never short of, uh, of uh, memes and content, obviously. All I have to do is look at reality and, and draw it in some way and, and reduce it down to some funny uh dialogue and so um i have too much like i could actually make a volume five right now uh with the amount of uh of stuff that comes out uh in reality that i jot down uh so yeah uh, this one's called post truth booster um i still have some volume three as well but uh volume two and one are completely sold out and people are annoyed they didn't get them um i don't reprint these that's something uh unique um that i like to keep that way is that i want uh these things to be more rare more like almanacs uh and more like time capsules uh evident uh, uh, of the insanity that we all went through so in, in the coming years you know 20 years 30 years 50 years from now someone uh someone's grandkid goes into the room and and picks out grandpa's book and goes what's this um he'll be able to say well sonny you thought things were crazy now um, this is, uh, this is kind of like that. I look at it like almost like a, his, a fun history book. And so, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm particularly, uh, proud of this one. Awesome. Yeah. Check it out, guys. You can uh, get a copy over at madebyjimbob.com. Is that the best place? Yes. Place? Yep. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. So check it out, folks. Uh, very good stuff in there. And I, I love some of the, uh, art that you're doing. It's just very, I don't know, it's something, it's so simplistic, but it's sometimes you just catch it like just in the right moment, just the right time. And it's just per the expression of some of the, the, the do you do it? I assume you draw by hand first and then you convert mm -hmm. it digitally. Is that how you do it? Or I draw right in my procreate. Yeah. <laughs> so I just draw them right out. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, some of them are more wiggly and wobbly than the others. And obviously my work, uh, isn't, isn't, uh, you don't identify my work because of the high technical art skill. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't uh, but need it's that. about it's the not... content and the funness of it and yeah. how accessible it is. Um, yeah, you know. it, it's, I don't know. It's just the, the faces and stuff. And I don't know. Just, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good. looks good, but it's like a wonkiness to it also yes. at the same time. It's very good. I, I, I like it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to continue in part two together with Jim Bob. Join us over at RedEyesMembers.com. You can tune in there. You can also tune in at Odyssey.com slash at TV. We have a member section set up there right now. It's only 10 bucks a month. Please sign up, support our work. If you like what we do, you can also sign up for one-time payment, uh, either from three months up to two years, and it gets cheaper per month the longer subscription you get as well. Also want to say thanks to our executive producers here today. Mongoose, Kvetch Me If You Can, President Obunga, No One Jeebs, Mark Smith, French 47, Chalky Milk, Red Pill Rundown, Jake, Good Luck Lap, Resin Revolt, V Miller, and T. Lothrop Stoddard. Thank you, guys. Also, thank you to our producers, Mr. Walker 696, Yu Hanson, and Leroy Dumond. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate your support. If you do want to sign up for a producer or executive producer tier, please check out subscribestar.com slash red ice or better yet, odyssey.com slash at red ice TV because we have the same 
tiers over there and it's actually less fees so it's uh, less for the uh, middleman the third party and actually more for us at the end uh, so odyssey is turning out to be a very good option for us as well whatever is convenient whatever works for you we have uh, multiple different ways if you want to sign up or if you want to donate or support or help the show. Uh, but again, if you get a membership, you get something in return. You get Weekend Warrior, you get exclusive videos, and you get the second hour of many of the interviews and shows that we are doing as well. So please consider it. If you want more, we'll be back in part two right after this break. See you on the other side.